0: I say he's so sweet, I wanna lick the rapper. So I let her lick the rapper. G lick me like a lollipop Hello, 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 happy Thursday, lick the rapper podcast gang. Welcome back to another episode with your host, Imani Blair. You could be anywhere in the world, but you are motherfucking here. And that's why you are a real one. What is good? Welcome. I feel like I'm going to have a lot of new listeners this episode because Blair Imani is popping. So if y'all are here, what it do, baby? This is an unconventional podcast. It's called Lick the Rapper. I'm a rapper who likes to be licked, uh, period. So I talk a lot about that. Um, I promote my OnlyFans on here. So if y'all want to see some sexy content or whatever, a little lingerie cooking show, I'm about to start a little lingerie, little pole dance class or whatever, sign up for the OnlyFans. That's where it goes down. And signing up for the OnlyFans supports my podcast and supports me. So, yeah. Guys, guess what? We finally hit 100 ratings on the apple podcast app my podcast has been rated 100 times thank you guys so much for going on there and leaving me five stars because i'm a five star bitch and what i'm going to do is read one of these ratings right now from pretty girl knee she says because she's a five star bitch pretty girl knee said i've been listening for a few months and i am hooked Subscribe to the pod. Subscribe to the OnlyFans. Best experience out here. Sorry, Imani. I say every episode that I'm going to write a review and constantly forget. Thank you so much, Pretty Girl Nee, for those beautiful words and for listening to the show and for leaving a review. It makes me feel so good that y'all are listening and doing that. Those reviews help the podcast so much. So if you want to support me, a young black creative, working my ass off, independent. I'm doing everything by my damn self. If you want to support me for free, I need you to open the Apple Podcast app. Right now, I'm not playing with you. Type in Lick the Rapper, okay? You're going to see my... Face in my podcast pop up. When you click on the podcast, scroll all the way to the bottom where it says ratings and reviews. That's where I need you to help me, okay? I need you to give me five stars because I'm a five star bitch and leave a review just like Pretty Girl needed. And if I like the review, I will read it on here. I'm actually going to read one more review. This is from Jen's. Jen says, Imani is fire. This podcast is so hilarious, but so informative at the same time. Always a good time if Imani's the host. Thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate that. So, yes, if y'all love the podcast, please go leave a review. And if I like it, I will read it on the episode and shout you out. So with no further ado, y'all, listen, we about to get into this episode with Blair Imani. She read me for filth. She read y'all for filth. She read misogyny for filth. She read racism for filth. She read patriarchy for filth. She read us down. I think this is going to be a very important episode. I am very excited. It's not, you know, what I normally do, but She is super smart and intelligent, and I think we can learn a lot. So with no further ado, y'all enjoy this episode. Hey, you guys, we have a major, major guest on this week's episode. I can't believe it. Please,
1: beautiful, introduce yourself. Thank you. Okay, so my name is Blair Imani. Y'all are used to Imani Blair. And the way we connected was that I was converting to Islam. I knew I wanted to change my name to Blair Imani. And I looked to make sure that that name hadn't been used before because I was trying to have a unique name also. But I found you. I found Imani Blair. And so I reached out to you and I was like, hey, girl. about to change my name and that's why we still we've been connected you've been you've seen me through my hijab changes all types of stuff oh you probably just thought it was my name but no you know it's not (laughs) your name either what oh my goodness (laughs)
0: well my my real name is imani my that is my first name but blair is completely made up
1: and i know blair is my real name but imani is made up
0: oh my goodness that is cray i didn't know that's wild that
1: is That's so wild. funny. Yes. So, okay. So you wanted Imani. What made you choose that name? Okay. I have to know why you chose Blair. I'll go first though. So okay. I liked Imani because it's the same amount of letters as Blair. Okay. And it means faith in, in Swahili. Um, It's one of the days of Kwanzaa. Um, I mean, I was converted to Islam. And so that was a big faith journey for me. And Imani means faith. So it was all just really in line. Plus my like government name sounds like a white person and I was trying to have a name that was more in connection with my roots and also with my you know my journey
0: yes I love my name I said all the time Imani is so powerful to me and I'm so thankful that my parents named me so it's a great name um Blair means battlefield you know that yes. right yeah yes. and when I was living in Los Angeles my my government name is Imani Crosby and it just sounded boring to me. It sounded bland. And also
1: with you, Crosby always felt like a slave name.
0: You know, mm-hmm. it just because mm-hmm.
1: my government name is Blair Brown. And I didn't like Brown. And it's been upsetting my, my family members because they're like, why do you don't want to be a Brown? And it's just like none of us we, are Browns. We, we We don't have our last name anymore. Right. My grandpa is the same way. He's like, you know, are you ashamed
0: of your family? Like, they don't understand it, but no, yeah. So when I was living in LA, I was like going through a really tough time. And I was like, I just want to change my identity and I want like a different name. And Blair, I don't know, it just stuck with me, stuck with me. I looked it up, it said Battlefield. And that's what I was going through at the time. The name like gave me strength, you know? And it flowed Imani Blair. It just flowed. Blair Imani. It flowed. And so that's why
1: I was listening to Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. And I was like, wait, I really want to talk about this. Who do I know who's a rapper? Wait. And we had the same name too. So it takes on extra meaning. There we go. The irony of that is crazy. It's but like, we, thanks Lil Nas X, you know, clearly yo, Lil Nas yeah. X wanted us to connect.
0: <laughs> That's what all of it was for, was for us to connect. But we're going to get into some Lil Nas X, okay? We got to talk about it. But before we get into it, I want to talk about you and, like you said, I you all your career change. It's been years since me and you connected, and you have just turned into this, like, incredible, inspirational leader of the people, and I just wanna
1: know, you know, your journey and how did you get started and where you are now? Well, first of all, thank you. I think that, so, okay. When I was done with college, I was finishing up college in 2015 and I had gone through this really tumultuous breakup and I was really burnt out because I was doing all the student activism, raising all types of hell on campus. But I felt really like I didn't have my soul fulfilled. Like I wasn't a whole in, internally. I was trying to find wholeness in every way, except from inside myself. and it was right around the time I started going to the mosque and I was going to the mosque cause they were basically like, Hey, if y'all need a place to organize, let us know. And we were like, yes, please. Thank you. Especially so this was in that's school. air conditioned. This is a school in school in at Louisiana state university. And I had always liked the name Imani. I wanted to name one of my kids Imani, but I was like, I'm not waiting that long. Why not just Here give you. my name, that name myself. Um, and my mom kind of felt a type of way about it because she didn't choose it. And I was like, it's okay. I kept part of it. Yeah. I part, kept part of the name you chose. And so um, I basically, I thought I was going to go to law school. I was trying to do that respectable thing, you know, suits and everything. Uh, I went to law school. I hated it. Dropped out. Also, I was listening to a lot of college dropout from Kanye West. And I was like, you know what? Why am I in here? Why am I doing this? You know, especially that skit about the degrees. I was like, I don't need this. Uh, So I dropped out. I started working at Heineken USA in government relations, which was wild i mean to work at a beer company right after college was really wild uh it was cool though too and so um i worked there for like six months no okay but i pretended to be you know (laughs) you know back then i still was drinking i don't drink anymore um but like it was just wild and i started wearing hijab during that time So I used to do my hair like yours, you know, like having the braids, having my afro out, whatever. And sometimes you'll see like a little peak of my hair depending so I don't make my forehead look so big, but whatever. And so I was just starting to kind of like find myself and it was nerve wracking because anytime you try to show yourself in in a place that's new to you and that's, you know, the people are new to you, it's a gamble but it was really well received like my boss is a white dude he was just like you have cool headscarf." anyway so Blair where are the reports and like this right. was like a non-issue and so um about you know a couple months later I started working at Planned Parenthood and that's oh, when wow. I you know yeah I got my big girl job I was working at the National Planned Parenthood office wow. and How despite was Oh, it was stressful, but it was I so rewarding. Okay.
0: I, but I could imagine that could be really mentally exhausting. I could imagine you like saw some,
1: you know, s- sad situations. I'm assuming. Well, so I was working in communications and okay. the thing is that like when people are coming to that decision, whether it's like about abortion, whether it's about birth control, their family, whatever, they know. By the time they get to the office, they know what's up. And the thing that was annoying was all these people who don't have to make those decisions because they don't have a uterus, they don't have ovaries, whatever, being like, well, I'm gonna make rules about it. And I was basically in communications, trying to help folks tell their story on their terms in ways that they would be protected. They would know they had backup, but it was stressful because there was so much hate around it. Anytime you tell, you, you help somebody, you know, own their sexuality, own their body, or that person does it themselves, people mad. And so that had to do a lot with with Planned Parenthood. And there was just so much angst, but it was rewarding every step of the way, because I was seeing women own, own who they are, and also own their futures. And that's beautiful. Um, but it was stressful as hell, because a lot of people were mad about it. And so right around that time, I got arrested very publicly uh, in Baton Rouge at the protests uh, around Alta Sterling's murder. And when I started to, when I stopped modeling and I started wearing hijab, I was like, well, this is the end of me trying to do things, you know, in the public sphere. And right when I gave up on that, that's when I got arrested really publicly and people. One second. Go ahead. Let me just...
0: Y'all got this, um, the people over there working on your house.
1: Yes. Yeah. They've been here all day. I don't know why they just started to act <laughs> up. Okay. Anyway, so it was at the time that I had fully given up on trying to have a name be a name do things like that that it popped off for me and that's kind of been a consistent experience where i was just like okay well i'm just gonna every time because god has the best plans and god is hilarious really though because you'd be like well god i don't know what you had planned for me but i'm gonna do something completely else and then be like you thought right you thought exactly and so that's when i think uh I became a like somewhat of a public figure as it related to black lives matter and then I, I started to like do public speaking and started to um, get more involved with the stories I wanted to write writing actual books and stuff um, and then flash forward to this past summer June 2020 there was like a complete shift where Uh, I had also, I thought I was going to be a better planner than God. I was like, okay, well, that's not working out. I'm going to get another nine to five. I'm going to go work. So you were about to to shift. shift. I was about to phase out. And so uh, I started doing like HR and education and planning and stuff at my dad's uh, work. And then uh, right around that time, I started to just be vocal. Like I had used to be on on social media and people really received it well. Um, And I woke up the next day and I had 150,000 followers and I was like rubbing my eyes because I didn't believe it. And it just I, now I'm at 400,000, not even okay. like nine months later. Congratulations! So thank you. It is. I haven't gotten really used to adapting to it yet, but it's exciting because I get to teach more people than I ever thought I could. I'm
0: absolutely. Think about how many people, like you said, how many people are just learning from everything
1: you do, you know?
0: I mean, I'm sure that's a little pressure there. I'd imagine,
1: yeah. So everything I do, like, I realized it was pressure. Okay, so back when I, so I came out as a queer Muslim woman. And I think that when we had first connected, I was still like in a little bit more of like a respectability mode where I was just kind of like, put your head down. Because I was trying to go to law school and do all that serious stuff or whatever. Everything I do is still serious. It's just like, I hadn't thought of it that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so by the time that had happened, um, like anything where I was trying to conform, that had gone away. And so by that time, like, I was doing press and stuff and I was talking about being a queer Muslim and what it meant to be a, a, you know, a a person of faith who's also bisexual. There's many of us. And somebody got one of my words tattooed on their forearm. Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of influence I was trying to have, but I did not anticipate that people would get my words and my name tattooed on them.
0: Tattooed. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah,
1: and, like somebody else has a tattoo of my face on their thigh and I've never even met them. So the pressure comes from the people who view you as a symbol instead of viewing you as a person. And that's a lot of pressure, but it also, I have to remind people every day, like, you know, I eat, I sleep and I shit just like (laughs) y'all, like, you know, and it's also a reminder for myself to not feed into that ego but also right into other people not to put me on a pedestal that I can't live up to that I don't want to live up to
0: yeah because I see you answering a lot of questions about being bisexual and like I see that like literally all the time you're addressing it you're addressing it
1: so people are people confused like what is that you know people are confused okay so I think that it's like anytime you do something where people have decided that's not that's not possible like anything in life like going to school, getting a job, like anything where somebody has their own mental blocks or institutional blocks about what is possible and you go against that, people are going to be like, explain yourself. Right. Instead of maybe reconsidering that like you had assumptions and those assumptions aren't real. Right. And so I have people literally every day like it's in my bio, Black, Bisexual, Muslim. People who are confused about me being Black, people who are confused about me being Muslim, people who are confused about me being bisexual and Muslim. So I just have an FAQ page. You can go to BlairMoney.com forward slash FAQ <laughs> and you can learn about it there. And it used to be really nice like before. <laughs> before like I popped off I was like my FAQ page I still had it up but it was kind of like hi thanks for wanting to know more about me now it's kind of like you want to know more about me and just remember you're not entitled to know anything so that's an important lesson because in a patriarchy and in sexism we expect to know everything about women including the choices they made about their bodies whether it's wearing a headscarf whether it's you know a natural whether it's versus a weave whether it's having acrylics we always explain it yeah every time yeah and so I try to like answer those questions because I want to invite people into my space but not in a way where it's kind of like I'm compromising myself or I'm making myself uncomfortable or do extra work
0: I got you I 100% I feel you and even though I don't do what you do I feel the same pressures you know like I just got this big audition this morning I'm like should I take my braids out you know, it, it sucks that I have to, it's like, I just got them done, but I, I don't, I, they might want the long European look, you know, and it just sucks that it's like every move we make, it's dictated, like
1: you said, on patriarchy and racism. It's
0: it sucks,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then the way that people look at it is so surface level. So they'll just be like, mm, why isn't Imani just being herself? And it's like, cause Imani has to survive, okay? And like, it's yeah. not about being myself. It's about surviving these institutions that we didn't even create. We're just surviving yep. in them. Yep.
0: Tell me about your hijab and what made you want it to start. You know, well, what, what, why do you wear a
1: hijab and what does it mean to you? So this is a, a big question that's happening right now, particularly around France, banning the hijab and, you know, like I think uh, like girls who are under 17, despite having the age of consent be 15. France. And so, uh, for me, I wear hijab and it was honestly something that I had to explain with my mom too. Cause my mom, she's Christian. She, she's really liberal, like about everything. Like when I came out to her, she was like, duh, you know? And so, uh, but around hijab, she kind of had this very one dimensional view of feminism where it was like, that's what men are making you do. And for me, ain't no man tell me to wear this, you know, like not even like viewing God as a man and then doing it for that reason. It's really honestly, not so much a religious uh, process for me, but an ownership of my own body, Mm -hmm. me being able to decide what is viewed and when and how, because as black women, we don't really get to consent to those types of things. And so like a lot of people will claim their sexuality by, you know, being like, you know, you have Cardi B, who is a feminist, and then you have myself, who's very covered, who is a feminist. Right. And it not being about how you do it, but it's on your terms. And so this right. is how I do it on my terms. Um, it is part of the religious, you know, background and stuff. But like, for me, it's it goes so much into like, my comfort, like, I feel so much more at home with a hijab. And like, especially with so much of my life kind of being, you know, examined by so many different people. It's really a relief to just have like, this is for me. This is my body for me. You know?
0: Yes. Like you can't tell me what to do right now. Yeah. You can't tell me what to wear. I get it. I get it. And I think that I, like you said, I have leaned towards in the opposite direction, you know, where it's like, I just feel so liberated. Um, just doing me, doing red braids if I feel like. If I tomorrow if I want to do some rainbow braids, if
1: I feel like like I, so I I get it. I get it. I think yeah. I feel like that's something and everybody can relate to. And it's like really not one or the other. I think sometimes people like, I have a friend, Samia, who doesn't wear any makeup. She's, she's on TV in the Netherlands. She's in a hijab, no makeup ever. She's in magazines, no makeup ever. Wow. I like, I'm not thinking about it like either you're in makeup, you know, painted nails and booty shorts or no makeup, no nails, hijab. It's like, you get to choose. So I love doing a full face. I was just talking about my eyeshadow. I love a bold lip. Um, yeah. And it's annoying to me because like I did a TED talk about being queer and Muslim and my, my arms are showing. And there was one person who watched it and I'm sure more than one, but this one person reached out to me and they're like, okay, I accept you for being Muslim and gay and working at Heineken, <laughs> but why are your arms showing? And I'm like, bruh. I can't win, like I can't win. And so it's like, why why focus on winning other people when it's just what you want to do yourself? Yeah. So if my arms want to be out, they're going to be out. You don't feel like, like I've explaining always, it. Like, but then, yeah. because, Blair, my question is, what if tomorrow you say, hey, mm, I don't think I'm going to wear the hijab today? Has that, have you ever felt you know, that I way? Think, I do. And, you know, I used to be really fluid wearing hijab, but it's honestly, like, there is a little bit of social pressure to kind of be, like, all the time hijab or all the time with hair um, because it's just so it's so fraught, like people are so used to one thing. And so I usually wear my hijab like around the back of my head. Um, Sometimes wear it like a turban. Honestly, I've gotten to the point where I really don't like doing my hair anymore. So it's rarely that I'm trying to have my hair out. Um, But I think about it because a lot of Muslim women, for example, will wear their hair during their wedding. Um, and then wear a hijab or some people just wear hijab when they're praying and don't wear hijab all the time because people forget that hijab isn't just this it's also like a way of practicing your life you know like living modestly giving back doing charity but like sometimes people will see this and be like oh you've reached that top level muslim and anything else you do is probably perfect but that's putting people on a pedestal like you know i i I think that this is a part of my practice and it's a reminder of my practice, but it doesn't mean my work is done. And I think I even can fool myself into that sometimes. Um, But yeah, generally, I mean, like one time I went, so I went to, before the pandemic, I went to my uncle's barbershop in Houston Mm -hmm. and he gave me a super cute fade and I posted that and people were losing their minds. And I was like, I'm gonna show my fade if I wanna show my fade, damn it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really like on those circumstances, uh, like figuring out why and how and when um, but it's also kind of like a reminder that I'm allowed to keep things private to myself because yes, you the way the internet works is like tell your whole story all the times for everybody to judge and the
0: more you give them the more they want <laughs> it's sick yeah the more you give them the more they want they want so it's so important especially at your level for you to have some stuff for yourself this a lot Thank you yeah for sure so let's get into some little Nas X girl
1: let's do it ah. let's do it
0: so okay so what what did what did you think
1: when you first saw the video so when I first saw the video I don't remember who asked me to watch it but I saw like okay Little Nas X is I think a creative genius personally and I think that people really put him on this one hit wonder that pressure is so intense especially for black creators that like you'll never exceed the thing you just did. And that's such so toxic because like even I, you know, I'm not on the level of low nozzle X or anything, but like when I just finished my book, my parents were immediately like, my book came out like February, wait, January 2020. February 2020, my parents are like, when are you writing your next one? Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, and so like I just imagine that pressure is probably like many, many times over. And I've just really enjoyed Lil Nas X as an artist because he's a queer artist. And like, there's so many other queer artists like Cakes the Killer, like Dre Bay, like, you know, Big Frida, folks who have been doing this work. And I think that with Lil Nas X, like coming out in the midst of his highest peak mm-hmm. um, is so revolutionary. So anyway, I'm watching the video mm-hmm. and I see the intro and I see the visuals and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm ready. And like, I mean, just the strip of pole down to hell, like, what metaphor and then all the memes that spawned it just really made me feel so like proud in a way which is like weird because I don't know I'm like that to be proud but like to see that if people keep telling us we're going to hell for not being their version of, of godly or christ-like yeah or appropriate yeah that we're going to hell okay well let's go right and it's such a bop too like it, it's one of those things where, like I showed it to my mom I showed it to my dad my dad was just like some inappropriate words, but I like this, you know? How about you? <laughs> um, I think that if if the song
0: had come out without the video, we wouldn't care about the song. Yeah, I don't really think he's the greatest artist in the world. This is just me from my musician hat. I don't really care for his music. I think that the video is the reason everybody like really cares about the song, which is great. Like, I'm, that's what he's supposed to do. You have to get people to care, you know? Um, as far as the creativity, the creativity was a 10, right? But, I, and it might just be, like you said, my messed up mindset, but the devil, I, can't, I don't like the devil.
1: It makes me super uncomfortable. So I think that's like been an interesting thing because like a lot of my family member are Christian, you know, I'm like the one Muslim and my auntie, for example, Nikki, she was just like, I'm afraid to watch it. I don't want to bring that into my house. Like she's the type of person to call deviled eggs, angel eggs, you know, and so, (laughs) right, right. And I think that, right. You know what I mean? And so I think with like as a Muslim and as somebody who like, like, I guess. I've gone through so many different like religious experiences. And I think in Christianity, the de- the devil, Satan is so prominent. And for some Muslims, it can be as well. But for a lot of Muslims, it's not even a factor. Like we're not thinking about hell in that way where it was depicted by Lil Nazek. So I can look at it completely as artistic. But I think there's a lot of people who can look at it and they see like, I don't even want to invite that kind of energy into my space.
0: A lot of us were raised with we don't play about demons. We don't play about de- like literally something happened in my family recently where is we don't play, you know? Like we in these yeah, bad yeah. spirits, we pray it out. We pray it out, you know?
1: So yeah, and like I, and in my I think family, that's we were always company. a little weird because like Ouija boards, tarot cards, my birthday's Halloween, like I didn't know that, you know? Blair. Oh, oh yeah, so funny. and so. Like that demonic, whatever. Like for me, it's just kind of like whatever. But my family in Louisiana who practices voodoo, like, you know, you want somebody to disappear, you're going to throw salt after them. You're going to take some of their baby hairs and put in a, you know, uh, you take some of their hairs, put in a baby food jar, bury it in a cemetery, and they will disappear. Like that kind of mixture of faith and non traditional faith elements that I think we call like demonic or we'll call like, you know, closer to like Satan, that's what scares people. The interesting thing though is that like even Satanists, like people who, Call themselves Satanists. They're pretty cool people, right? And they don't worship the devil in the way that we might think, right? But it's right. so interesting, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many levels. But I appreciate you for acknowledging that. But like, I think that you're right too. Like, had the video and the music come out separately, it would've been one thing. I think his yeah. strong suit is really visuals, like whether it, it's 100%. Panini. Not yeah.
0: only him though. A lot of um artists now, you know, we talked about Cardi B with WAP and like, uh, like a lot of artists, you know, put emphasis on the video. It's like. Let's make mediocre music and make these billion dollar videos. (laughs) It's Lick the Rapper, I gotta be honest. That's just how I feel, you know? Like, And let's just do these billion dollar videos and everybody's gonna be so obsessed with this video, we're not gonna really pay attention because it's like, okay, the song is number one, but I just feel like, like I said, if the song came out separate, I don't know.
1: Could just be my personal
0: preference.
1: No, I think it's really interesting to to look at that too because like with WAP, I think that was really similar. What's really fascinating to me and exciting to me though is that they're leaning into the things that are going to piss the folks off that are going to get them those additional streams. And I just want
0: to say, I love WAP. When I said mediocre, that is not about WAP. I love (laughs) WAP. That is like my favorite song of last year. But no, 100%. I'm not mad at them. Listen, they're artists and they have to do what they have. Little Nas X has to do the crazy video. He has to, you know? I, mean, I, I thought don't that know. the
1: sneakers were extra crazy, you know. How did you
0: feel about the sneakers? So,
1: I don't know why you would invite Nike to sue you like that, because they have a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Uh, I mean, I used to work in public health, so I'm, like, actually adding the blood. That's a public health hazard. But How do you think that that's real? I don't know. Yeah. But I think the not knowing <laughs> is, it makes it expect- like... <laughs> yeah for people I wouldn't have bought that like even as much as I'm like yeah whatever demon stuff I don't care not the shoes you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel you that's my life And then
0: he he was said how do you feel about people saying like freedom of speech and like you know because he was claiming that I guess Christians or religious people pressured Nike into shutting it down and that's not fair you know like
1: mean nike okay so let's talk about nike for a second let's mm-hmm. drag nike so nike has a, for a long time used prison labor to the point where people who got put in jail for stealing those Jordans and making those Jordans for cents a day, whether those are kids in Indonesia, whether those are, you know, you know, black men who are predominantly in prison, you know, Latinos as well. Um, so I don't really fuck with Nike at all. I don't wear any Nikes. I only really look at especially this is like for a, a, I don't have any Nikes. I don't think I've had Nike since like elementary school um, because I really care about ethical practices. And so even when Nike was talking about Kaepernick and talking about like we care about racial justice, it's like, do you or is it hot right now? And so I think fundamentally Nike and every other corporation that jumps on the bandwagon of Black Lives Matter wants to make extra money. And so they were making money off the people who are burning their Nikes about Kaepernick because they got to buy more shoes and they're going to buy Nike or they're going to buy New Balance or something else. Yeah. Um, but so what like, you're saying is going, now they want to act like they're on a high horse and yeah, get rid of those shoes. Yeah. Because I don't think companies really have moral compasses, particularly when we can see their their books and see how they have been denying people money. Like the fact that, I mean, Bernie Sanders talked about recently that if you spent $120 on some Air Force Ones, you spent more money than Nike has in the past three years, I think, in taxes. Mm, teach us, Blair. Teach us, Queen. So, so, you know, I just feel like Nike is trying to protect their brand. I don't think Nike really cares about the devil at all. One way or the other, yeah. Nike is dancing and, you know, twerking with the devil at all times because of how they conduct themselves in the labor space.
0: I think as far as like being relevant in this day and age, Blair, you know, we're all fighting for attention on the internet. That's all this is. He okay. nailed it. He nailed it. You know, if that, like, little Nas X did that. I just wonder, what, to me, like I said, me, my opinion, my, my, because you know how people like to do. I just wonder how long that can last if there's no real musical talent underneath it.
1: Mm. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, look at all the white artists who suck, you know, who have more streams than Nas X, who have more streams mm-hmm. than you, me, and, and Nas X put together who don't have access because they're talented, they have access because they're privileged. Mm. You know? So I'm like, let this fire burn for as long as it can. I'm going to throw fuel on the fire because I hope it burns forever because I think for a lot of people, seeing the visuals, seeing him being an out, black, dark-skinned queer artist Mm. is very important because, Mm. as we know, there's not equal airtime across even our own within our own communities. And so I think that, like him him complicating the space in the music industry is good. It's good. Um, I don't think he's perfect. I don't think he needs to be perfect. Um, I don't think that he needs to be like the most earth shattering, most talented artist to ever exist. What I do think <laughs> is that the fact that he is out here really brings a lot of meaning to a lot of people. What I am annoyed by though is like, I think that um, there's, I just think there's so much room. And I feel like, um, I want people coming for the next of artists who aren't talented, who don't deserve to be there, who are just there because their daddy's there um, and bringing in more folks. Cause like even his path to, to success was really complex as well. Yeah. Uh, And I think it like gives more like credibility to artists who are doing it through social media, who are doing it through this viral marketing. Um, And like, I haven't heard people complain about SoundCloud, SoundCloud rappers in a minute. And I think it's because a lot of those folks who are now getting entry into the music industry are coming from SoundCloud, are learning how to do GarageBand themselves. And it's valid, too.
0: Yeah. And like I told you, all of my opinion is just based off my bitterness of the music industry, truly. You know, it's not like anything personal about him at all. I just think that the going viral has overshadowed the actual talent. And the only reason I care is because I'm in this industry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. On the outside looking in, like yeah, go like you said, a a bop every week. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think I just take. No, but I feel like I see that with Migos. I see that with Migos with their music videos. Um, Anderson Pack just had a music video come out with uh, Bruno Mars. It's like the visual appeal. But I don't think that the whole, I think that the viral marketing aspect isn't just in the music industry. I see it within um, films too. Like the movie *Tenant* had no storyline, quite frankly, but I love watching Lil Denzel. That's not his actual name, but <laughs> that's what I keep calling I, I, I didn't even know who you were talking about. The guy who did the movie was Zendaya. <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah, he, yeah. So he's yeah. Jo- what? John David Washington Jr. John don't David don't Washington, name. I think. Yeah, I think. Is that, let me Google it. I, just Facts, want I don't want to say it wrong on here. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it Denzel's. Was. I got it. John David Washington Jr. So got he was it. in this movie called Tenant, and it was directed by the guy who did Inception. And I watched it, and the first part of the movie is supposed to play forward, and then the second part of the movie is supposed to play the first part backward. And apparently they filmed scenes in reverse, and it was all, like, dynamic. But the storyline wasn't really there. The lesson of the moral of the story wasn't really there, um, which is fine, but people didn't watch it for a story. They watched it, was it because entertaining. of the cinematography. Yeah. Right. And I think that, like, uh, as artists, like, I think that's what a lot of pop music tends to be. I think that it's interesting for rap music to become that because there's it's a sad. lot of pressure, I think, for, like, you think it's sad? I Talk think about so. it. Well, like you
0: said, rap music has, it's, I don't want to say sad because that feels like I'm coming against the culture and I'm not. Because I make fun pop stuff, too, sometimes. But it's like. Where's the core? Like, you know, rap used to be about really core talent. Like back in the day, Blair, like you had to really be good. You know what I'm saying? Like life in all the ways. In all in every way. Life-changing songs, albums. And like you said, everybody doesn't have to be life-changing artists. But I feel like there's way more mediocre artists right now than there are life-changing artists. Like, I can't even name five right now.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. Like, I think on the one hand, It's good because I think we should have that pressure off of us as a people to constantly be like the one to disrupt it. But I do get frustrated because I don't think that people outside our community recognize that. I think they put folks in the same bucket. They'll put Nas and Lil Nas X in the same bucket together. And I mean, Nas is is another person who's really contributed to the space, but also is not a perfect person himself. Um, And I think that like, uh, it's it's one of those things.
0: What what you just said everybody doesn't belong in the same bucket
1: that's that is huge what and what we did. do is we put all black artists in one You're right space. we put 100%. all rappers in one space 100 and that's wrong and i think we have to have pop rap artists like Lil Nas X we have to have like you know spiritual folks who can also rap who also do bars like Andre 3000 right you know Busta Rhymes we folks need who layers can just- i agree they throw us all in the same category I'm so glad you said that. That was a great point. And they do it in every regard. They do it with educators, you know, like myself, like they expect me to conduct my life exactly like how every other black educator is doing it. I'm not interested in that because other black educators are doing themselves really, really well. I'm trying to bring together like a space of influencing and education and beauty and pop culture and, you know, fun and memes and nerdy shit. Like I'm just, that's me though. But if I am only labeled as like, a black Lives Matter activist. What does that even mean when white people look at three black people together and go, "That's Black Lives Matter over there"? Right, right. So how do we
0: how do we disrupt that? Because that is the real problem, right? I feel like that's the
1: real issue. I think so. I think it's like really okay. One, it's these white publications hiring black folks who are versed in the space to talk about it. Because when Four Forty Four came out with Jay Z, and uh, like, excuse me they're putting it in the same category and understanding as Watch the Throne. Like his new music is not like Watch the Throne. That's bravado rap, Watch the Throne. That's all about like finding power through ostentation and like, you know, and then when he does his newer stuff, it's like, I'm trying to teach a lesson. I'm a dad now. That's not the same Jay-Z. Even when people talk about the new Kanye versus old Kanye, old Kanye was going through some stuff old Kanye, Kanye was like interrogating is. society still yeah. is in different ways it's, with it's more resources different. it's
0: too it's yeah. different yeah it's different you know I like old Kanye song, oh sorry no you're fine you know I have the song about human trafficking called "Shoot 'Em," and I had like a sexy photo on my Instagram this girl commented and was like see this is the problem like you're rapping about it but the problem you know and it's like Yeah, yesterday I talked about human trafficking. Today, I want to say, oh, I look cute. Tomorrow, I might want to talk about y'all getting on my nerves. The next day, I might want to talk about Black Lives Matter. It's not fair, the boxes that they put us in, even at my level. So I can't imagine being at that level,
1: truly especially because like if we look at old interviews I always look at old interviews of like uh around sexism and patriarchy because I'll have people who come to me and they're like well I think that black people would be better off if rappers weren't sexist and it's like you know rappers didn't invent sexism right <laughs> right you know that all right. the rappers live in, in the hood because of racist white patriarchy right you know like let's really talk right. about what this is and you'll see like uh Ice Cube breaking things down, talking about like, well, I think NWA or I think, you know, lynch mob, da 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 And it's like, I didn't invent these things. I'm reporting on these things. And I think that like, there's, there's just so many different genres within rap. And I think that like just our society doesn't have space for black people to be complicated. That's why there's a purity test for every single person. Oh, if you're not doing everything eyes. absolutely perfectly, you go and get thrown away. And it's so read stupid. Like Lil Nas X eyes. allegedly had a tweet that was Islamophobic. Um, and he was also running like other meme accounts before he became Lil Nas X. He was also a teenager talking shit on the internet, you know? And I think that like, as a Muslim, I'll be like talking about Lil Nas X supporting him, playing his music, whatever. And people will be like, well, he was Islamophobic allegedly one time. And I'm like, okay, yes. And I'm not gonna throw away other black people, particularly black queer people who are being attacked for being, for existing, in their time of need and when they're both being attacked based on something that they did three years ago. Because as an educator who is teaching hella people who just realized racism is an important issue a couple months ago, how am I going to throw away my own people who did less problematic things longer ago, you know? People that I'm helping right now. Wow,
0: Blair. And we are quick to throw people away. It's not fair. We are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you make me wanna to love away.
0: everybody, support everybody. I'm gonna <laughs> go stream Little Nas X as soon as we get off. <laughs> I just think it's a better way to
1: be. Cause like the people who need to get thrown away are the folks who are being harmful. The people who are denying us our stimulus checks because they're too busy collecting checks from somebody else. The people who, uh, every time there's a mass shooting or saying, well, we can't pass gun laws, even though that will literally save lives because they're getting a check from the NRA. Right. That's what we need to be focused on. And it's not about us only focusing on those things and letting people be problematic. It's putting it in perspective because, you know, in Christianity and Islam, we have this thing called discernment that God gives us the ability to discern when something is a direct threat or when something is related to our own, you know, judgments and traumas and baggage and when we are putting it on the same level. You know, like even when you're talking about your your you know concerns and critiques around the video, you were even honest about like, well, that also comes from my background. And I think that's what's necessary, but it's harder to do. It's way harder to be like, actually, this is some me shit that I need to work through. Right. And not this is their fault. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all the
0: time. Even I always think about homophobia, right? Like people who are homophobic seriously have a personal problem. Like legitimately, it's like, it, it's your background, it's your life, it's your messed up opinion, you know? And I love I'm trying
1: not to curse because you're on here, but you're cursing. <laughs> i cussing all, yeah, what are you talking about? I just, I don't cuss in front of children, <laughs> yeah, you know? Even though they good. know all the curse words too. But no, <laughs> homophobic people, I'll have homophobic Muslims sometimes, Homophobic, just anybody homophobic, but it's a lot of times homophobic Muslims because I'm myself a queer Muslim who will come in my DMs and describe the most nasty am I I just I don't like nasty sex acts and things and they'll be like and that's why God says it's bad I'm like why are you writing me a softcore porno script Wait. and then telling me it's bad oh, clearly you're man. obsessed with this yeah. and you thinking about it more than anything else because like with what for example people were undone by that wet ass pussy what what it's like <laughs> and I love it because Planned Parenthood just put out a lesson that was like actually having a, a lubricated vagina is actually very healthy you know it makes sex more pleasurable and it is in, in And it is an indicator that sex is being enjoyed. And if you can't have that naturally with your own self, you know, created lubricants, then get something like coconut oil, which is naturally based or KY jelly. Like that's the conversation, but that terrifies people. And people instead just want to be like, well, the problem is that you said pussy. And it's like, well, the problem is that you're watching a music video that's pissing you off. That's my mom, Blair. I could literally.
0: (laughs) for real I could literally like have a whole song talking about sex but if I say pussy she's like oh my god like you said it's that word that like that word for people I guess you know I guess cursing in general I don't know but something
1: about pussy drives people crazy and it makes me that and nigga, say it more. like yeah when people hear like you know I, I can respect black people but I can't respect the ones that say nigga and it's like well, you know, it's y'all's fault that that's even a that bad thing. Say right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. You just know that you can't say it too. I think it's because people are afraid. They are afraid of the things that the words represent. They are afraid of the idea of, you know, sexuality, you know, women who have, you know, people who have vaginas, because it's not just women that have vaginas. We have to get expansive in our understandings of sex traits and gender. You know, they're afraid of a pussy experiencing pleasure. They're afraid of black people owning shit that was used to harm us. We are afraid of so many different things. I think that was a big thing that happened around, like, even with um, Montero that, oh my God, like, (laughs) we have created such drama around the devil and you're just going to sit, you just gonna sit in his lap. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm it's supposed to be a scary thing we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think that art can be really beautiful in disrupting that. But what we instead have is this media landscape that is white supremacist and patriarchal and homophobic and just writes it off as bad. not good for the community. That's not getting us free. You know what else is not getting us free? Not streaming Montero, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, if you stream Montero, Black people are going to continue to be oppressed. And guess what? And if we don't stream Montero, that doesn't change anything either. Yeah. Yeah. That's like
0: the least of our worries. Truly. Is Montero a song? Because like the whole time I'm thinking. Montero
1: is Call Me By Your Name. So Montero is, so his name is Montero and he was always really afraid about coming out publicly with his actual name. And so little Nata's
0: real name is Montero.
1: Oh, okay. yes, gotcha. And he's named after the Mitsubishi Montero. You know how Black folks sometimes we'd be named after cars. Yes. couldn't afford a car, so she named her daughter Alexis. Mercedes. You know? and yeah. so Exactly. And so, um, in fact, my name Blair. No, I'm kidding. That would be funny too, <laughs> though. Um, but so he he his name's Montero, and the call the song is called Montero. And actually, I came prepared with notes. I'm a historian. Call Me by Your Name references this idea of um, two people becoming whole together, and that being a whole thing that you know, gay people are told can't happen for them. You can't be in relationships that are not with the quote opposite gender and be whole. And so the idea of call me by your name is like, I want to be so interlocked with your soul that we become the same person. And that's not the healthiest way to do a relationship, but it's poetic, so we'll allow it. And. For him to call the song Montero and for it to also be called me by your name has meanings related to like poetry and you know Greek and mythology and stuff, and it being something that is often denied. And that's why I think I also really like the song too. Like, as far as like, I mean, I thought it was cocaine and chicken with your friends, but it's it's cocaine and drinking with your friends. But like the song is him talking about having sexual desire to men when feel on their ass in Hawaii, one to you know, shoot a child in your mouth while I'm riding. For somebody who has been closeted for such a long amount of time, for him to come out with a song that is so sexually liberated and is like unapologetically gay and like hot, I think is really important for a lot of people to hear. And I think it's also beautiful for him because like I think about artists like Elton John who were closeted for such a long time in his career. I might get emotional. Oh my God, no. Okay, so when I went to the Elton John show, he was talking about how Oh, I'm getting emotional. Oh my God. So he, he did that film, uh, Rocket Man and in Rocket Man, the song, uh, I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. But instead of that in the, in his film, he put, I miss my life because Elton John is not straight. Mm. And I think it's really beautiful. And unfortunately so rare For artists to be able to claim their truth while also being loved by the public because we even have Freddie Mercury who was queer and who passed before he could really claim that openly and so to see somebody doing that so young and to see Elton John kind of really just now after all these Disney deals and stuff being able to say like no I don't miss my wife I miss my life my life and even that's subtle even that's still very subtle you know yeah yeah but I think it has such meaning because those subtleties are what people hold on to when they're homophobic. Like, I remember being a queer kid when I, before I was out, like I would be in the locker room around other girls and I would be like, everybody knows I'm gay. Everybody knows, like, I, it was just so, uh, I was so afraid of myself, like, and so I think that having that experience and then seeing Lil Nas X with this was just like so bold. Yeah, it is flashy, yeah, it is a kenshi getting, but I also hope, probably because of my background and like education and stuff, I also hope it means that he's more comfortable with himself and that he, not only is saying these words, but it's having that transforming that transformation within himself because that's something everybody deserves, and particularly queer people because we're denied it.
0: One hundred percent, yeah. Question: um, I don't know if you saw, but Meg The Stallion and Young Miami from The City Girls had a little back and forth where Meg The Stallion was like, um, I, "I had a crush on Young Miami," or you know, something like they were flirting back and forth, and Young Miami was like, "Okay, let's do it," or whatever. But a few years ago, you know, they always bringing up the old stuff she had tweeted like she would beat her son if he was gay. Um, Yeah, you know, went on The Breakfast Club and said she wouldn't want her son to be gay. So now a lot of the conversation is that women are homophobic towards men but then they wanna use it for themselves to be sexy or cute or have you seen that? Or like, what are you? What oh, are yeah. your feels about that? It's a huge
1: thing. And the unfortunate thing is it really connects to enslavement. You know, when you bring a historian on, I gotta talk about history. The performance of masculinity is defined by Europeans. So before, okay, when we were on that continent, right? Especially if we look at like Yoruba, Yoruba society or Yoruba society in Nigeria, what is now called Nigeria. Um, we arranged ourselves based on age and not based on sex traits that we called gender. So we was chilling. It wasn't, and we didn't even have a category that we would understand as women back then. It was just like people and they had specific names for people who, you know, would have children and whatever, and the roles there and the organizing of society in that way. But it wasn't until Europeans came and needed us to produce people to enslave that they made us categorize ourselves based on gender. And they didn't just make us do it. They weren't like, hey, this is a better way. They were like, oh, are we are gonna kill you. Mm. So now these are women, these are men. This is how women act and this is how men act. And if you don't, you are doing it wrong. And that happened back you know, when we come to the, the Americas um, in 1619 and that's becomes enforced on us. Women have to do this. But black women, and this is something called uh, that Dr. Moya Bailey calls misogynoir, we experience racism and misogyny at the same time, misogynoir. And so uh, it's also because black people by our very construction, I'm trying, to like, <laughs> I'm trying not to get up, up my own butt right here, but like European society has dictated what it means to be a person. They have dictated what it means to be a man. They have dictated what it means to be a woman. They have dictated that black people cannot be within those categories. So there's a constant back and forth about how we express ourselves as people and how we should be able to express ourselves, whether it's booty shorts, whether it's a hijab, whether it's weave, whether it's natural hair, whether it's you know weightlifting every single day in the gym or whether it's being a fashion designer, we will never be what they decide masculinity and femininity is. But the unfortunate thing is that education isn't there. And what we instead have is, this really flawed problematic way of trying to protect one another like I mean some people who say that I wouldn't want my kid to be gay are doing that because they're homophobic trash and some people are doing it because they're afraid of what their kid might experience I have people who tell me I I don't want to have a black son not because they hate Mm -hmm. black men but because they don't want to see their kid shot down by the police they don't want to have to try to you know kill a teacher who says something messed up to their kid you know and so We have to not know where we can't know where that's from but instead of looking at that nuance what we instead want to do is cancel people there is of course more respect for queer women because we're viewed as sexy because we put it in terms of what men think is sexy Mm -hmm. and oh man that means i could have a threesome that means i could have you know two girls at one time and it's like why do you think we're even in the equation and that's why honestly Bisexual women are more uplifted in society than lesbians because lesbians scare the shit out of people because that's the existence of people not needing men in in the equation, which is impossible for folks. Um, But I think that gay men, because of things like, there's this thing called the Kinsey scale. And in 1948, I think somebody fact-checked me, uh, (laughs) this guy Kinsey came out with a scale and it said either you're exclusively homosexual and then other, like five other things, or exclusively heterosexual. And they were basing that on white men in bars and their previous sex history and stuff. And that became really honestly, now what we understand is sexuality, the sexuality spectrum, but that's not the beginning and end of sexuality. What, you know, you would be knowing whether you're straight or queer or bisexual before you even have experiences with people because it's something inside of you. It's not how you interact with others. Um, but because of that, and because of the history of the United States, as it relates to black men, as it relates to gay men, gay men were treated as like, you couldn't be in the military, you couldn't be in like, you know, a secret, you know, part of the government, because gay men gossip, because they're too feminine, because feminine. So it all comes from this hatred of sexism, or hatred of women. So the hatred of women, we understand it in gay men, as wanting to get the womanness out of the man. And that's where a lot of this hate comes from. So it's not even, it's so problematic to me when I see somebody, it's so deep. And, but we don't go after Meg the Stallion instead of maybe going after the Kinsey Institute, which still exists from the guy that created that mess up scale in the first place Mm. or the white supremacist society that, you know, kicked out gay people out the military and still is trying to do that with don't ask don't tell for centuries because it's much easier for us to go after the person who has the least standing Mm. in society than it is for us to go after the shit that created it in the first place. The big dogs Mm -hmm. that's what we got to do we got to take down the big dogs for real yeah
0: sorry about that that
1: was a deep dive but i feel like it's necessary
0: girl it's so necessary i'm so glad my listeners get to hear you because this isn't normal for my show. It's normally we're laughing. We're talking about eating ass, but I'm so happy that you came on here. It's so important. But before we go, I have some major questions I have to ask. If I don't, my listeners will kill me. What do you type into your porn search bar? Uh, gifts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love gifts because, and the funny thing is like the, the, the around porn or whatever. But anyway, I usually watch gifts because you can scroll by fast, you know. They're too quick. I, I don't know. I don't have time. I do my, cl- okay, so my lessons online are called Smarter in Seconds. I am very busy, and that includes my porn searches, so there we go. <laughs> I need some two seconds,
0: two seconds. There and we go. I thought, yes. Yeah, okay, all right. So um have you ever had a sexual experience with a woman?
1: Yes, so people ask me that. I usually don't talk about it, but I'll talk about it in this context because a lot of the people who have, I've had, like, you know, relationships with themselves are closeted. So people are always like receipts, receipts when it comes to queerness, because they're they, they they're going based on that idea of a sexual history deciding who is and isn't queer. And like, anyway, I'll be talking about that shit regularly. Anyway, so the short answer is yes. Period.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One last thing. What is a crazy sex fantasy that you want to try?
1: Oh my goodness i don't know i feel like i've been very gifted to have those fulfilled that's a minor flex i don't know that's I a think major that, flex um, That's a ma- you sound satisfied <laughs> what you're pretty what I you're am. saying is yeah that's awesome i think that that's the goal in life like even in islam like people think that islam is like so restrictive and whatever but like orgasms and making sure that your partner is also satisfied is part of the faith like mm-hmm. I mean we didn't get here on accident like the people who would be so upset about sex are here because of sex and so it has to be understood not as like this separate like secret ooh like you know whispery thing, but as part of life, because otherwise then it goes in the shadows and that's when fuck shit happens. Mm.
0: Queen Blair she said it she said it well I'm sure y'all already know where to find her but before we go tell everybody where to find you and where can they get all of the good information because y'all need this.
1: So you can go to Instagram.com forward slash Blair Imani. I do lessons all the time and I, uh, you know, it's just been such a blessing. Like I admire you so much. Uh, my goal. So when I was in DC, I was trying to do rap lessons and stuff. It wasn't in the cards. So I try to do my best in my lane. And so it's great to have a named twin out here living the dream. Whatever. Get out of here. Thank I'm you. I'm so Sarah. serious.
0: I'm going to have all of her stuff tagged in the description. Somebody tell Blair she don't want to be a rapper. This is not the life. Trust me. I am in denial. Like <laughs> I'll write you some stuff. I'll write you something. We gotta talk. But I we will. We will. Oh, we okay, will. Fabulous. All right. Thank you so much, Blair. And all right, everybody. I'll see me. y'all next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode with Blair Imani, let me get a hoorah. A hoorah, everybody. Period. That is my name twin. And I loved having her on the show yes if you want to hear another great episode this one is a little different it's not as um i ain't teaching you shit i had a conversation with my best friend called three quickies and two plan b's and if you want a good laugh and some funny funny sex talk go check out that episode it's called three quickies and two plan b's so with no further ado guys have an amazing week um, keep it real, keep it fresh, keep it fly, and make me proud, okay? I love you guys, and I'll see y'all next week. Bye, y'all. I say he's so sweet.
1: I'm to the rapper. So I let him lick the rapper. She like
0: me like a lollipop.